Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. Let's jump in the Word today. Before I do that, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. All right? Is that okay, fam? Let's pray. Father, thanks for this morning, and thanks for the opportunity that we have around your Word. God, every person that's listening needs to hear this today. Will you customize it for all of us so that we can be a little more like you? We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Um, this, <clears throat> excuse me, for Easter, for Easter, I reminded you of a couple things. On Easter, I said that every human being will have one of three days. Either you're going through a Friday, a day of suffering right now, or you're going through a day of silence, or you're going through a day of joy, that's Sunday. Every single day for the rest of your life, I suggested, you're going to go through one of these days. In light of that, I want to talk today about, about how do you handle life when you're at 1%. How do you do that? How do you handle life when it's, it's, your life's draining and you feel like you're at 1%? How do you handle that? You ever had a cell phone, and you're walking around, and you're on the phone, perhaps, and you're talking on the cell phone, and all of a sudden, you realize that the battery is dying. Then all of a sudden, you get real nervous, because you've got to make sure you get connected. you got to get recharged. you got to get plugged in. So you're frantically looking around at every single moment for, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How do I get a, a, a charger? How do I get plugged in? That's the question that we're going to answer today. How do you spiritually recharge yourself if you see yourself fading and moving from 10% left to 5% left, going all the way down to 1%? There's a verse I want you never to forget that's nestled in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12 that I think has some encouragement for us on today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, in the middle of the verse, he starts the verse out with telling you, therefore, all that, but then he gets to the main idea in the middle of verse 1, and I want you to come with me, and let's check out what he says on today. Here's what he says. The, the text, the author to the Hebrews says this, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which easily entangles us. He's saying all of that so he can get here. Here we go. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Somebody say, let us run, let us run, let us run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just remind you that you have a race that is set just for you. Not for anybody, just for you. God, in his infinite wisdom, decided that he would set, he would set life up in such a way that he has a race that has been marked out for you. Nobody else can run your race. Only you can run your race. And he is setting us up and reminding us that that's what he wants us to do. For my, for my experience today, my prop today, I have a whole track and field deal. Obviously, I'm Jamaican, so I'm going to have it. But anyways, and so, and so what, 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 what the author is suggesting is he wants us to know that there is a race marked out for us. Well, here's what that means. That means God wants you to get real comfortable going in your blocks 
these blocks are not right, so let me adjust them. See, that's what good runners do. They've got to adjust the blocks so that it fits. You know what I mean? So they got to, you don't know nothing about that. Uh, back in the day, way back in the day, I used to do this, okay? And so you got to make sure it's all set up. There it is. You got to make sure it's all set up just right for you because God has a race that he wants you to run. Now, here's the problem with running your race. What does, the, what does the, um, the starter say in running this race? He says, on your marks, right? That's what he says. Then you're supposed to go get set, and then he's supposed to take off, right? Here's the problem. He, he's supposed to say, on your mark, get set, go. But for most of us, you know what we're running to? On their Mark, not on, not on your mark, on their mark, because so many of us are running to somebody else's drumbeat. We're not running to our own. We're comparing ourselves to everybody else. We're letting our mama tell us what we need to do. We're letting our ex tell us what we need to do. We're letting our teacher that says you couldn't have made it tell us what we need to do instead of going to the Word of God and discerning what is the race that God has set out for me. Now, let me help you out again. Every time you go to a track, you will notice there are two white lines which demarcates the lane you should run in. Here's what he's suggesting. On the one side, this lane, this lane represents the life of Christ, which is what you're trying to model. He says, I want you to run in such a way that you look just like Jesus. That's what he's saying. This lane represents Jesus Christ when he is walking and living here on earth, and you're supposed to, I'm supposed to live his life out. The next lane, the next stripe, the next white line represents the customized call of God on your life. Let me help you out. Your career is what you get paid to do. Your call is what you were made to do. He says you were made to do this. Nobody else can do it. You were made to do it. Nobody else can do it. You were. So he says, I want you to line up your life around what God, Jesus Christ, looks like and what he has called you, not not career, not paid you, what he's called you to do. And he says, that's the lane I want you to run in. Now, please don't, he didn't say he wants you to walk. He didn't say he wants you to jog. He didn't say he wants you to creep. He didn't say he wants you to crawl. He didn't say none of that. He says, I want you to run the race that he has set out for you. My problem with the body of Christ is we got too many people who are going backwards in the race. We got too many people who are going sideways in the race. We got too many people that are simply wandering around in the race, and you're not running the race God has intended for you. The stakes are too high for you to not to run. He has made you for this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he calls you a masterpiece. That means you are so unique, there is not another one like you. Really, they should just put some red marks. You ever go to one of those galleries? They should put some red stanchions around you, and you're supposed to tell everybody else, listen, I'm a masterpiece. You better watch out. Don't touch this. I'm a masterpiece. That's how you're supposed to walk around because your God so customized your life that you are forever unique, and that's why he wants you to run the race he has called you to run. Now, the issue that we have, at least I don't know about you. Let me talk about me. In this race is that I love to compare myself to everybody else. So I always am looking over and seeing, well, what they doing? What, they, what kind of race are they running? What in the world is going on with them? And instead of running my race, 
I spend most of my time looking at the other people running their race and miss out on what God's calling me to do. A lot of us do that. You're looking at how they dress. You're looking at how they run. You're looking at how fast they are. You're looking at what they have already accomplished. And instead of running your race, you're looking at it. Okay, you're not feeling me. Um, David and Saul. Do you know why Saul did not complete the race God has for him? Because he spent most of the time being jealous about what was going on in David's life. That's why when, the, when, the, when, the, when they started singing... Saul killed his thousands. David killed his tens of thousands. You know, what, you know what Saul did for the rest of his life? He kept his eye on David instead of keeping his eye on God that had called him to be king and that called him to rule over the people of Israel. You and I do the same thing all the time. We watch other people instead of running or race. Not only do we let them tell us what we should do, we also watch them and watch them in such a way that we, get, we slow ourselves down so we can't run the race. You, wanna, you want me to tell you why sometimes you're at a 1%? That's because you go on Facebook and you say, Facebook, Facebook, how do I look? Get off of Facebook. You're comparing yourself to what everybody else have done. You go on the gram and you say, gram, gram, how fine, how fine am I today? Because you're looking at the gram and what everybody else is doing, and then you're comparing yourself to them. God says, I didn't call you to be any one of them. I called you to be you. You are a masterpiece. Run the race I've called you to run. That's what he's suggesting to us. So stop looking at everybody else and start looking ahead, fixing your eyes in Jesus and running the race he has called you to run. Let me help you out a little better. Little did I know, I'd have to give you this illustration. And, uh, and I'm going to share it with you now. Um, some, about a year and a half ago, they asked me, <clears throat> little did I know, I got a little invitation to go do something, right? To go speak. And usually when I get the invitation, I turn most of them down because of my commitment here. <clears throat> but on this one, everybody said, yeah, I should do it. But I really didn't know who was going to be on the list of other speakers at this particular experience that I was invited to go to. So I'm, I'm cool, and I'm running, and I'm doing my thing, and then it's about two weeks before that I'm now trying to say, okay, what's coming ahead, and how do I need to prepare for this? So now they tell me what my topic is. I'm starting to prepare. Then I ask the question, who else is speaking at this experience? And I promise you, fam, I promise you. I looked at who else was speaking, and I was like, why in the world did they ask me? What do I have to say among all these greats? I'm not kidding you. This is a true story. They, they, on the list was, well, let's get, let me get three of the names. On the list was, number one, Dr. Tony Evans. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? What do I have to say in comparison to him? Notice what I'm doing. I'm comparing. Then they said, the one and the only, Matt Chandler. And I'm like, what do I have to say? These guys are so good. They have been doing this their whole life. Well, I, I don't have, I can't compete with those guys. They're going to blow me out of the water. Listen to myself talk, everybody. Then the next one was, Timothy Keller. What? Are you kidding me, Tim? My boy, Timmy, that I read and steal all this stuff, he's going to be, I'll be like, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. No joke. I went home that day and I said, God, why do you want me? I don't want to say anything. I'm, I don't have anything to say. I'm not that good. Please, God, can you find a way to get me off of this list? I'm telling you the truth. This really did happen. So I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. Then I said, then I said Jada came in the room. She said, what's wrong? I said, can you look at this list? And I 
I'm supposed to speak to the people, the same people that they're going to speak to. <clears throat> I went on Friday night of the event, no joke, went on Friday night, and I'm listening. I'm supposed to speak the next day, and I'm listening to what everybody's saying, and I am shaking in my, as God is my way, I'm shaking in my boots. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to study more. Oh my gosh, I got to do, and, and I'm worried, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death, right? I go home that night, and I'm weeping. I'm weeping because I'm like, God, I don't measure up. And then I got a phone call. I got a phone call, everybody, <clears throat> from one of my friends who was at the conference. And he said to me, buddy, I can't wait to hear what you got to say. I can't wait. I'm so proud of you. I can't wait. You better bring that thing tomorrow. I'll be like, oh, Lord. And I'm like, God, I don't have nothing to say. Listen, listen, come here, come here, come here, come here. And then he said something to me. <clears throat> I said, bro, I'm a little nervous. You got to pray me through this. And then he said, he said, hey, 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 let me remind you something. If God wanted two Tony Evans to be at that event, then he'd have made Tony Evans speak twice. Because nobody can beat Tony Evans at being Tony Evans. If he wanted two Matt Chandlers to speak twice, he'd have made Matt Chandler spoke speak twice. Because nobody can beat him beat anybody at being Matt Chandler. Then he said, if, he, if they wanted Tim Keller to speak twice, he, they said they'd have made him speak twice because nobody can beat Tim Keller at being Tim Keller. Then he flipped it on me. And he said, the reason they want you is because they see something in you. And let me help you out. Tony Evans can't beat Conway Edwards at being Conway Edwards. Matt Chandler can't beat Conway Edwards at being Conway Edwards. And Tim Keller cannot beat Conway Edwards at being Conway Edwards. So let God release you, my friend, to go do what he's called you to do and run the race that he has set before you. I wish I had a weakness in here. I'm preaching better than you're typing in there. You better type, preach, pastor. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Because you feel the same way. There's sometimes when you get overwhelmed and you say you're not that good. And I'm here to tell you today that nobody can beat you at being you. Nobody, because you're a masterpiece created in the image of God for his glory and for his honor. So your assignment is to run the race he has set before you and don't cower away from what God has invited you into. When God opens a door, you step in there knowing that you were made for such a time as this. Can I get a witness, somebody? Woo! All right, so here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. And I know some of y'all are notes takers, so let me give you some notes. As you run this race, you got to remember, there are three things fighting against you. Go to your notes now. Number one is, you have a battle inside of you that's going to fight against you. Number two, you have a battle around you, and then you have a battle against you. Three battles. The battle inside of you, Romans chapter 7. It says, your, the flesh is going to creep up to try and take you out. Number two, the battle around you. You battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers that's going to try to take you out and slow you down and not let you run and force you to walk. God says, as you run this race, inside of you, there are going to be doubts. Around you, there are going to be people and principalities and power that are trying to take you out. And then there's the devil that's fighting against you himself because he comes to steal, to kill, 
and to destroy everything God has called you to. That's why you struggle in your mind. You know where those thoughts come from? The enemy, because he's trying to tell you, you can't run the race God has called you to run. In the name of Jesus today, we're rebuking that and reminding you that you are a masterpiece and he's called you to run the race that he has set out before you. Only you can do it. That's why you got to run this race. That's the battle that we're going in. That's the invisible war you can't see, but he is this, the, the enemy is this, is has decided that he wants to take you out. If he can't take you out, he's going to slow you down. He's going to make you come to a crawl or make you come to a stop. And today we're declaring and serving notice to the enemy. He's called us to run with endurance and we're going to run the race that he, notice, the race that he has set out for you. Nobody has set it out. He has set it out for you and you've got to run it just like he called you to. Woo, here we go. So in light of that, in light of that, the first point then is what I want you to do is I want you to know you need to focus on the race that he has called you to run. Notice, notice in your notes, it says focus. Faith is powered by focus. Faith, 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 faith. Faith is powered by focus. You ought to run the race God has for you, not the race that he has for others. Focus. Let's talk about focus for a moment. I want you to notice camera one. As you look at me today, you're in a camera. Uh, you're seeing me through the lens of a camera. That camera shot's pretty tight. It's from here up. You know why? Because sometimes in your lives, you need a close-up shot where you're focusing on what God has called you to do. Sometimes in your life, when you're leading toward, bleeding toward 1%, you need a close-up shot to remind yourself, I'm supposed to run my race. I'm not supposed to run somebody else's race. Let me run the course he has set out for me. No problem there. That's the first shot. But then there are other shots, but let's stay at this one just a little more. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11, and I want you to see, and I want to remind you of what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says. Here's what the text says. The text says this. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Woo, you missed it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In other words, there are some things that you have not yet seen that you need to hope for it, and that's what faith is. You're saying, God, I haven't seen the joy in my life yet, but I'm going to claim based on the future your word, and I'm going to bring hope into my present so that I can have hope and joy in my present situation. That is what faith is. What's the second part? It's the conviction of things not seen. You haven't seen the stuff yet, but you're going to ask God by faith, will you get me there, God? And you're going to reach into his word and reach into the future, and you're going to bring that into today, and you're going to walk in it because you need to bring that into focus so you can run the race God's called you to run. This is important, ladies and gentlemen. You need to listen to me today because this is a word for you today. He's saying that there are times in your life when you're not going to have joy, and what you ought to do by faith is say, I know that I can reach into God's word where he tells me that I should have joy today and therefore I should count it all joy when I face various circumstances. So I'm going, I don't feel joy, Pastor. I ain't feeling joy right now. So I'm going by faith, say, God, I pray that you will give me the joy of the Lord and you're going to pull joy into your current situation knowing that your God has called you to live that way now. 
1 Thessalonians says this, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. But pastor, I don't feel like giving thanks now. I don't care how you feel. Watch at the bottom of your handout. It says, you cannot learn to live by faith if you always live by feelings. You can't do it. You can't learn to live by faith. If you you got to live by faith. What does faith say? Faith says, I don't feel like I want to give thanks. But I'm not living by feelings. I'm living by faith. So since God has commanded me to in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, I'm going to reach out to thanksgiving. I'm going to bring it into today, and I'm going to tell God, here you go, God. I'm going to give you the praise due to you. That's why you come to church, by the way, because you come to church even when you aren't feeling it. Because when you see other believers raising their hands and praising God and giving God thanks, it motivates you to bring thanksgiving and joy into your current situation. So you can praise the name of the Lord. That's why you need a tight shot, everybody. This is a word. I'm promising you this is a word for you today. It is. So watch the text. Verse number two and verse number three. Here's what it says. Ooh, this gets good. He says this. For by it, the men of old gained approval. What's it? By faith. That's why without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's why you always want to activate your faith. Because without it, you can't please God. But watch verse Three, come here. Here's what the text says. By faith, the thing we're talking about, tight shot, focus shot. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that which were visible. In other words, when God created the world, there was nothing. But by faith, the God says, let there be land, and there was land. That's why it wasn't there. He created it. It was not there. And he pulled something and he says, there is no land today, but by faith, I'm going to pull it in and I'm going to create the world. He says, I want you to lean on that very word because he says, by faith is how you're going to please him and gain approval from him. So it's your assignment when you ain't feeling joy, you ain't feeling hope, you ain't feeling thankful. It is by faith. You say, God, I ain't feeling it yet, but I'm going to pull it into my existence today and I'm going to walk it out. Too many of you start out telling yourself, oh, Lord, today going to be a bad day. Today going to be woe is me. No, that's because you have already declared over your life what kind of day you're going to have. But when the Lord says, this is the day that the Lord has made. And when the word says, I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's why you can say circumstances. I know what you're telling me. But I'm going to go to God's word and I'm going to pull joy into today. And I'm going to walk because God says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Let's move on. Here we go. Let's go to number two. So one is. Focus, focus, that is faith is powered by focus. That's shot number one. You got a tight shot where you get the focus so you know this is all I need to see right now. But then there's a second shot. Don't go to it yet. The second shot is your frame of reference. Your frame of reference. That is when now you don't go to the first shot, you go to the second. Every now and again, the first shot, You'll still try to get joy, you'll still try, and it won't work. That's when you got to go to the second shot. Now you got to go to the shot where you're running your race and you see all the other people that are running the race, that have run the race already and are now cheering you on as you run your race. That's the shot that most people don't get. Or some of you have that shot, but you got the wrong people cheering you on. 
you got some complainers cheering you on. You got some haters cheering you on. You got some people who don't like you, but cheering for you to fail, not to succeed. And you need to know who's in your shot. See, frame of reference is everything. Watch the text. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 tells you who should be in your shot. And I want you to watch all of them. Here's what it te the text says. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, he says, we have a great cloud of witnesses. Then who are these people? Let's go to chapter 11, verse 32 through 39. Watch these. These are the people you want in your corner. Come here. Here we go. Here's what they say. Verse 32. Hey, for what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets. He's telling you who is in your stands and who's cheering you on. He's telling you. Next verse. Here's what he says. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. Next verse. It says, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword. From weaknesses were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Do you hear what they're saying? They're saying what you're going through ain't nothing for them people. They have been there, done that, and they're cheering you on. They're saying, yes, you can run it. But man, this pandemic has got me discouraged. They say, pandemic? When you see a lion coming at you, and you got to take a lion out, come on, somebody. You need to know a little pandemic can't affect these men and women that are cheering you on. See, some of you need to get rid of some of the people in your lives who all they're doing is reminding you that you ain't going to make it. You got to cut them out of your frame. You got too many people in your frame that have no business being in your frame. You got too many people and how they think about you in your frame that have no business. Okay, you're not feeling me. Um, um, uh, the other day, no, it wasn't the other day, about, about a year ago now, I took, I took my son to the hospital at, uh, at Children's Dallas, all the way down there, took him to, because he was having a fever at the time, didn't know what was up, so we decided to take him to the hospital. <clears throat> Went all the way down to, to uh, Children's uh, downtown Dallas, and we got in there. And we started, and I checked in, trying to wait on a doctor. <clears throat> Three hours passed. I'm getting a little antsy. I'm getting a little frustrated. Why are they taking so long? And I'm, okay, okay, no problem, no problem, no problem. I'm waiting a little longer. And then all of a sudden, listen, everybody, all of a sudden, um, some, another kid came in. When this kid walked in, this kid walked in. They looked really bad. They didn't stop it where we stopped. They took them all the way to the emergency room because they had to do something back there, and they had to do it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, by the time our five came by, my whole perspective changed because my frame of reference changed. I waited in that hospital for seven hours, but it didn't bother me like it did the first three hours because the more people I saw brought their kids in, but they weren't there for eight hours. They're going to be there for two weeks. It changed my frame of reference. So now I am thanking God that we ain't going to spend the night in the hospital. I'm thanking God that he don't have to get surgery for whatever it is that he was dealing with. You see, some of you need to praise God when you frame it up that he has done so many mightyful things for you that you better praise him. You don't have it as bad as you think you got it.
I'm trying to help somebody. Okay, you're not feeling that. Um, um, uh, 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 Peter, you remember my boy Peter, don't you? Peter is walking on water. As long as he's in the tight shot, he's good. Bring the tight shot camera number one. He's in the tight shot, he's good because he's focusing on Jesus. As long as he's focusing on Jesus, everybody listen, he's walking on water. But then camera two stepped in and all of a sudden he allowed winds and waves to get in a shot. When the wind and the wave got in a shot, he started to sink. Why? Because he allowed something in his frame that had no business be in his frame, and now he starts to sing. I wish I had a witness in here. I am preaching better than you're typing. You better say in there, preach, pastor. Uh-huh. I need some help today. I need some help today. Somebody know it. Listen, 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 listen. You remember when the winds and the waves, the disciples were on the boat. They're running their race, and the winds and the waves, and they're like, whoa. What, what, what's wrong? Does Jesus not know that we're going to die? You know what they did? They widened the shot to camera too. And they included the winds. And the, no, Jesus was kicking it, sleeping on a pillow. If it was camera one, come on again. What they would have done, they said, well, since Jesus sleeping, I'm going to sleep too. That's not what they did. They made camera two, their focus. And because it had the wind and the waves in there, they started worrying about dying, not knowing that they had the master and the miracle worker and the one who created the winds and the waves in their presence. That's why he had to get up and he stepped over to camera one and he said, wind, peace, be still. And everything was still. And the disciples marveled because when they went back to camera two, there was no wind. And there was no waves because the master had spoken into their lives. I wonder if there's some things or some people that you need to get out of your frame so that you can run the race. God has called you to run. My God, can I get a witness, somebody? He continues, he continues, he continues. Here we go, here we go. I ain't done with you yet. I got three more points to go. Here we go. Now, the people in, uh, in uh, 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 Hebrews chapter 11... Here's what you need to know about faith as you run this race. There are three truths you need to know about faith as you run this race. Number one, you need to know that faith doesn't spare us from pain. None of the men and women in the cloud of witnesses were spared from pain. Not one of them. They all went through pain. But it was pain that helped grow their faith. Number two, God's promise will be fulfilled. If not now, it will be in eternity. They knew that. They knew that even if I don't make it, that's all right. God has a better plan for me. That's what, that's what Daniel said when he went in the lion's den. Here's the third one. Those who don't believe, those who don't believe cannot receive the reward. In other words, let me tell you what that really says. Here's what the text is saying. The men and women in your stands, they cannot receive their prize until you finish your leg. You see, until all of humanity is done, they're not going to receive the prize that God had for them. Here's what you need to know, that God's saying, you're running your race, no problem. You've gotten the baton, you've got to run with endurance, you've got to run the race and be faithful to it because you are handing the baton off to the next generation. That's why we must run so faithfully, everybody. That's why it's so critically important that we do it. So now let's go to number three. Number three, watch number three. Number three says, faith and fear are powered by anticipation. Ah, faith. And fear are powered by anticipation. In other words, you ought to focus on Jesus, not my circumstances. You ought to focus on Jesus, not my circumstances. I want you to, I want you to think about this with me for a little while. 
Um, do you notice fear is powered by anticipation? You're anticipating what might happen, and so you worry because you're fearful of what might happen. Let's say you have some bills to pay next week and you don't know where the money going to come from. Now, you don't know if you're going to get kicked out yet. You don't know if you're, going to, if you're going to lose your job yet. But all of a sudden, you start worrying because you're fearful of what might happen in the future. Now, please note, fear does the same, faith does the same thing. Faith says, <clears throat> I, I'm not feeling joyful right now, but I'm going to claim those things that I can't see, I'm going to claim them today, and I'm going to walk in them today. We got too many Christians running this race, fearful about the future instead of faithful about the future. I want you to be faith-filled about what's going to happen tomorrow, not fearful about what might happen tomorrow. God says, the reason I called you is because I want you to know that I have equipped you and I have given you everything you need for life and godliness in this race. Everything you need. Therefore, I don't want you to walk around with your head down. I don't walk, want you to walk around concerned about the future. I want you to run it knowing that if it's in my word and I've designed it for you, then you better believe it's coming your way. Because, because listen, everybody, um, um, note in, in hockey, here's what Wayne Gretzky says. Wayne Gretzky says, he says this, he says this, he says this. He says, he says, great players don't go to where the puck is. They go to where the puck will be. That's what great players do. Uh, faithful saints, faith-filled saints, when they're running the race, they're not looking at what's happening right now. They're looking at what's going to happen in the future. So they're running the race knowing that God has set out a plan for them and his purposes are for their prosperity and their shalom. Since it is, they're not running with fear on their back. They're running with faith in their sails as they run toward what God's called them to run. Here we go. Let me help you out again. Here's what you need to know. Look, camera one, I want to stay on camera one for a moment. You see, too many of us, don't move camera one, stand camera one. Too many of us, too many of us expect God to never move. Let me let that simmer for a little while. Too many of us expect that, stay, don't move that camera, expect that God should stay the same place and that God never moves. And because you do, no wonder, no wonder, God's moving all the time. But because you expect him to be the same place every time, ain't no wonder you discouraged and you frustrated. Because God is always moving. And watch you now, move with me now. And God says, where I move, I want you to move with me. So you should be saying, God, where you moving? I can't wait to see where you're going to take me next. What we got is a group of believers that just want to sit around and wait to see if God's going to move and then stay right where they are thinking, well, God ain't doing nothing. Yes, he is. He's moving. You just ain't moving with him. My God, can I get a witness? Somebody. God is moving right now in your life and your head is down and you're getting frustrated and you're getting ticked off and instead of following the move of God you're staying in the same place with the same friends with the same old thinking trying to get to a new place but God's already moved and you're not moving with him. Ah, I'm trying to help somebody today.
You need to know that fear, listen, and faith are powered by the same thing. Let me help you out, somebody. Uh, uh, some of you ladies are complaining to your girlfriends about your husband, or some of you boys complaining to your boys about your husband, about your, about your wife. And you're complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining. Can I tell you what you should do tomorrow? Tomorrow you're going to blow their minds. You know why you're going to blow their minds? Because some of them, you're going to have them on a Zoom call because you're not inviting them over. Because you're not inviting them over because you're not so sure whether they got something or not in, in terms of COVID. So you're going to stay on a Zoom call and talk to them. Okay. Anyways, so they, you're going to start bragging on your spouse. And they're going to say, did you get a new spouse? No, I just framed it up differently now so that now I see that God's trying to do something in me to realize and appreciate the spouse I got so that I'm not complaining like I used to when I didn't frame it up well. See, I got to cut some people out of that frame so that by the time I get to the spouse I got, I can praise God for the things they have and quit complaining about the things they don't have. All right, here we go. He says, I want you to focus on Jesus and not your circumstances. I want you to focus on Jesus and not your circumstances. That's what he says. I want you to focus on Jesus and not your circumstances. Just, just because something in your life doesn't mean it needs to, just because something is in your life doesn't mean it needs to be in your frame. Just because something is in your life does not mean it needs to be in your frame. One more time. Just because you got something in there don't mean it needs to stay in your frame. You can cut something. It can still be in your life, but you can cut it out of the frame that you're looking at right now. Sometimes you need camera number one and you need a tight shot because in this moment, I can't deal with this foolishness over here because I need to focus on the race of God. Sometimes when you go to camera two and you see the wider shot, you need to know they don't need to be in the shot right now because of what God's calling you to do in this season. You don't need to be there right now. Can I get a witness, somebody? Let's go to number three. Number four, excuse me. Number one says you want to focus because faith is powered by focus. Number two says you ought to remember your frame of reference. Number three says faith and fear are powered by anticipation. Number four, here we go. Number four says you ought to get it out of my frame. Let's go back to verse number one of Hebrews chapter 12. Here's what he says. He says this. He says, therefore, since we, have, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every, every encumbrance. And here we go. Here's what you need to take out of it. The sin which so easily entangles us. He tells us there are two things in the frame that needs to get out of the frame. The first one is something good that has that has now begun to control you. Ah, comfort can be something good, but you can't run the race God set for you because you love comfort so much. You have now allowed comfort to rise to the level of you must have it as opposed to it being a luxury that if God wants you to have or not have, you're good with it because it's not going to disrupt you from running the race set for you. Ah, sometimes it's money. And money can be, you can love it so much, it drives everything you do. And so you can begin to think that you can't live without a certain level of money, which means you will tell God you can't run the race. He has set out for you all because you are so attached to and you have become so greedy. 
Ah, it can be it can be television. That can be something good taken too far, it becomes something bad. It can be it can be it can be laziness or sleep where you love sleep so much you won't run the race and sacrifice sometimes to do what God's called you to do because you're so enamored with this thing called sleep. Let me see if I can help you out. Let me see if I can help you out. See, sometimes something is in your frame that have no business being in your frame. Ah, something is in your frame that have no business being in your frame. Let's say one of the worship leaders just finished singing and they left this here. It means I'm trying to preach a sermon and they left this there. It, is, is it good? Yeah, it's good. When they, when they lead in worship, they need it here. But, but when it's sermon time, we don't need it here. So therefore it has no business being in my shop. There's some things that are good, but have no business being in your shot. You need to take them out of your shot, put it in the place where it is supposed to be, so you can do what God has called you to do. We got too many people, ladies and gentlemen, that are trying to live their lives and run their race, but there are things in your frame of reference and in your shot that has no business being in it. God says it's a good thing. That you've taken too far. Get it up. But then there's some bad things. Ah, there's some bad things that you have no business being in your shot. I want, by the way, I want you to watch a video now. And I want you to show, I want you to see a young lady from Jamaica. I'm sorry, I'm a little bastard today. A young lady from Jamaica run a race. It's a four by 100 meter relay. And I want you to watch it because you're going to see that she had no encumbrances. She had no, no, no weight that was holding her back. And I want you to watch what happens when there's nothing holding you back. Take a look. We've got Bianca Williams taking over from Nancy Cole. Bianca Williams has got the baton and China giving chase here, but it's Great Britain performing superbly well. Jamaica trying to come back into it. Daryl Nita's going to have Shelly Ann Fraser-Price chasing her. China not too far away. But can Britain hold on? Look at Shelly Ann Fraser-Price like a steam train. Express train. Fam, do you see what I'm saying? Shelly and Fraser Price got the baton in third place, and she was able to run. Now, there, there are a number of reasons why she was able to do this. You know why she was able to do this? Because there were no, there's nothing weighing her down. She was free. She didn't go out there with a sweatsuit on. She didn't go out there with, 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 with all kind of headsets on to slow her down. She didn't go out there with any big old shoes on. No, she went out there as lean as she could be. And then when she got the baton, she ran the race. She wasn't looking beside her. She wasn't looking around her. She had one goal, to get to that finish line, and she ran it to the best of her abilities. Listen, here's something else you need to know. For Shelly and Prince Fry, when she was in that lane, here's what you need to know. Many people don't know this, but... But, but back home in Jamaica, there were little girls that are aspiring to be just like her. And they were glued, about two million people were glued to their television. And all they were doing is cheering her on as she ran her race. Because they were saying, come on, Shelly Ann, you've got to do it for There's a lot of things Jamaica ain't good at. But one of the things they're good at. Is that thing called track and field right there. And the whole nation comes ready to cheer them on. So even though she's in another country far away, you better believe everybody is glued to their television and cheering them on. Can I tell you what's happening to you right now? Everybody in heaven is glued to the race you're running. 
And they're cheering you on. And even if you're at 5%, even if you're at 2%, they're saying, yes, you can. We did it before, and you can do it too. And they're cheering you on in your race because he's saying, get rid of the stuff that will slow you down so you can run, not walk, the race he has designed and customized for you. Number one says you got to focus, camera one. Number two says you got to make sure you frame it up right. Number three says you got to make sure there's a difference between faith and fear, both powered by anticipation, but your assignment is to get rid of fear, reject it, and embrace faith. Then number four, there's some stuff that wants to slow us down. We need to get rid of those so we can run the race that he has set before you. And then last one, last one, last one. I'm almost done with you, I promise. I'm almost done. The last one is I want you to watch the motivation. I want you to watch the motivation because the motivation, the reason why you're doing this is joy. I want you to watch what, G, what the text says. Let's go back to Romans, to Hebrews, excuse me, chapter 12 and see what it says. Here's what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, fixing our eyes. It says, who for the joy set before him, endured, watch it, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see what he did? What's the motivation? Why in the world is, is, is God doing this? Why in the world is Jesus doing this? <clears throat> because he wanted to please his heavenly father, satisfy him, and he wanted to place you and make a connection between you and the Father. Why did he go through all that he went through? Because he wanted to please his heavenly Father. What's the motivation? Why is he doing it? Because he wanted to make sure there's a connection between your life and the life of the Father. So that you don't have to kill any more animals, you can have a personal relationship with God. Many people don't know this, but um, uh, in my office, I've got four different things that keep me motivated. Four different things that keep me motivated all the time. <clears throat> Number one, the first thing that keeps me motivated, this one's not in my office, is a shot I'm going to show you that's a different shot than you've seen for a long time, but I'm going to show you the shot today. It's a shot that's taken from a camera in the roof of our sanctuary. It's a different shot, and I want you to watch it as they turn to it right now. See this shot right here? That shot right there transforms and motivates me every day. Whenever I'm tempted to keep the weight on, whenever I'm tempted to keep sinning and, and, and not get rid of it, this shot changes my perspective because there are too many other people depending on the race that I'm running for me to give up. The stakes are too high for me to simply throw in the towel and satisfy myself and not run the race God's called me to run. That shot is important, and you need that shot sometimes in your life to see who is depending on you. The reason you don't throw in the towel is because you got some kids depending on you. They're looking up to you, and they're asking God, is my mom and dad going to keep fighting the good fight? Are you going to set up a generational curse because you decided to take matters in your own hand? Ladies and gentlemen, the second thing I have, the first thing I have in my office is a picture right behind my desk uh, of, of, of a soccer player named Pele. I got him. In that picture, he's doing a bicycle shot, one of the first times it's ever been done. And that's where the ball comes across, and you go parallel to the ground, your back's facing the ground, and you kick the ball this way into the goal. He's, when he did it, it had never been done before, or very few people had done before. He popularized it. Ladies and gentlemen, you know I have that there? 
because it's my assignment, God has said, to make sure that I never take the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it boring to people. I must do everything in my power to get as creative as we can so that people who are far from God can have a relationship with God. It wakes me up thinking, God, is there anything else we can do to take this precious message called the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it popular in every home all across the world? I get up thinking that every day. There's another, there's another thing in my office I need you to know, and it's, in, it's framed in, and it's a flag that was mounted at the Texas Capitol right after 9-11. And you know why it's in there? You know why it's in there? One of our senators gave it to me. You know why it's in there? Because I want to remember that there's still lost people that need to be found. And every single time I walk in my office and I see it, it's a reminder to me, Conway, you've got to keep running the race he has called you to run because there are people that still don't know Jesus and I still must run the race that God has set before me. Ladies and gentlemen, I need, I need reminders. I need things to motivate me to do what God has called me to do. You know, I have a shepherd staff there. I have a separate staff in my office because I'm convinced that I must always remember that pastors smell like sheep, which means I need to be able to shepherd the people of God, which means I need to be among the people of God, which means I need to fight for the people of God, which I, means I need to be by their bedside sometimes. I know other pastors need to be by their because it is the call of my life to be a shepherd, to love people right where they are. Ladies and gentlemen, this is too vital to me. You know why? When on my desk, I also have a picture of my son looking up at me and following in my footsteps because I need to remind myself that there is somebody, I have a whole family that's depending on me to run this race. And the model I set for him is one that he will follow. Ladies and gentlemen, what's yours? For him, that's Jesus. He endured the cross to satisfy his father. How about you, ladies and gentlemen? You see, what I want you to do is I want you to frame it up because sometimes you need a tight shot to focus on what God's called you to do. Other times, you're going to need the wide angle shot to see who are your cheerleaders around you as you're running in the race that God set before you. You're going to need to cut some people out and get them out of the frame so that you can run and focus on the race that God's called you to do. Other times, you're going to need the, the wide-angle shot so that other people can see, and you can remind yourself as to why you're running this race because you're going to need to see the people that are depending on you and that are cheering you on, but still, they're watching your model, and you need to know who those people are to remind yourself as to the why you're doing what God's called you to do. So here we go. Let's close this way, family. My question for you today then is, do you even know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you even running in the lane that he's called you to run in? Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't, if you're over here when you should be in the lane, then we invite you today to get to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There is nothing greater that you could do today. Heaven would rejoice. The people in the stands will explode if you decided that you'll accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But then there's some of you that you're not in any lane. You're not running any race. You're walking to your own drumbeat. You don't know the course he has set out for you. And for that, we invite you. Will you become a part of this body of believers so that we can tell you and inform 
transform you and guide you in how you can know who God's calling you to be and then run that race? If that's you, then you need to take your next step. But then there's some people who you used to run the race, you used to prioritize it, but now you're doing everything else because you've gotten out of your lane. To you, we say, we invite you. We we would love for you to come back, and we'd love for you to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. Some of you right now are saying, Pastor, you don't get it. Well, I trusted Jesus, but then all kind of bad things happened to me. Remember what the text says. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Whatever you're going through, it is simply a, 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 a God allowing a work to happen in you so that you can look more like Jesus. Remember what I told you these two lanes stand for? This one. The white line on this side, it's stands for you making sure you're living your life like Jesus. You remember what this stands for? It stands not for your career, but your call, the thing that you were made to do. And he's saying, will you come back today? And will you, please, he's inviting you, will you rededicate your life to Jesus Christ? And then if you don't have some people in your stands that are cheering you on, there, there are people that, that at this church that wants to encourage you, wants to be your cheerleaders as you're running the race. God has set before you. That's why you need a community group so that not only are the people in history cheering you on, but you have a group of people that are cheering you on as well. Family, the stakes are too high for you to just run any race. It's too high for you to crawl. It's too high for you to walk. You must run the race he has set before you. Thanks for being here today. I'm going to send you over in a moment to our application time where they're going to start asking you questions and showing how you're going to apply it to your life. I cannot wait just for you to see it. Right before I leave, I want yeah, you to remember this. Don't you, ever so check this out. Don't you ever forget it. Take a look at this. Take a look at this. Don't you ever forget it. I want you to go out and I want you to get a frame. You know why I want you to get a frame? Because I want you to work this sermon today. I don't want you to just, just think about it and keep it in the notes. I want you to work it. I want you to get a frame. I want you to leave it empty. And I want you every morning to ask, how am I going to frame up this day? I want every single morning, I want you to ask, how am I going to frame this day up? And here's how you should answer the question. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I know, but Pastor, you don't know my circumstances. I don't, but here's what I do know. I know the day that the Lord has ordained for you. And it's the one where you can have joy no matter your circumstances. All you got to do is ask Paul, how's he in jail and still having joy when he writes the book of Philippians. I want you to say, um, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I want, you to, I want you to, by faith, pull that out of tomorrow into today. And I want you to frame up your day and say, God, I am going to realize that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Therefore, I'm going to run the race you have set for me because I'm going to frame it up and I will not let the enemy force me to walk, force me to crawl, force me to walk in the opposite direction. Will you do that today? Go to, go to Walmart, go to Target, go to Steinmark, go wherever you need to go, get your frame, put it beside the bed, put it in the bathroom, put it wherever you need to put on the floor, wherever you need to put it. And every single day, you simply say, how can I frame this up so that God gets the glory and I run the race he has set for me. Blessings to you. Pastor G, take it away, my friend, take it away. Come on, wow, somebody. This is an amazing message. What a great word. If yes. this, this is one of those messages that you can run out and begin to apply yes, today. Yes, immediately. This, <laughs> this, this was so incredible. I mean, this, this is a life-giving time. 
uh, as we're going through this quarantine mm -hmm. season, what a great opportunity to be able to get some tools that you can begin to apply yeah. so that when we come out of this, whenever that is, we're better That's right. than we were when we came That's in. That's right. So right now, we want you in the chat, we want you to stick with us just a few more minutes. I would love to see what camera angle people are needing to work on. So um, we mm. had camera one, which is where you're totally just focused in whatever God has for you. We yes. have camera two, where you have a, a little bit wider shot and you get to see who's in your frame. And, yes. and maybe there are people, I love what pastor said, you know, maybe they're going to be in your life, but mm. maybe you need to take them out of your frame. There you go. And then the wide shot. So I think that's the best <laughs> shot, I think, because it reminds us why we're doing what we're doing. That's it. The stakes are high. Um, people's souls li uh, lie in the balance based yes. off of what you're doing and what frame you're walking. And, out. and this is such a critical time. Uh, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, I'm telling you, you cannot run this race by yourself. This is like that was a relay race that we got to see. And, <laughs> and, and sometimes we need some crowd people in our life to cheer us yeah. on. And we need some teammates that are on the track that are running with us. But it is one leg that you have to run for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so but you don't have to run it alone. Fellas, I need you to come out here Wednesday night. Join us Wednesday for men's Bible study so that you don't have to uh, run alone. You'll be able to watch it online. We have groups immediately following. So we get to dig into the word and you get to ask questions and mm -hmm. we dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's really, really a great time. That leads us up to our men's conference. Sign up today, fellas. It's Father's Day weekend, and it is going to That's be right. phenomenal. I love how pastors said we have a great cloud of witnesses Come in on. heaven, but yes. we can have a crowd down here cheering us on as well. That's true. And, you know, we're big into community here at One Community Church, and um, we have the right crowd for you. Join yes. an online community group. You can go to our website. Check those out. They happen all sorts of time of the day, um, every day day of the week. We want to be able to connect with you and help you set your frame and then encourage you to continue That's to run it. your race. And I know we've been missing each other greatly. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we haven't as much because we get to see each other uh, during the week, you know, as Every we're working day. and meeting, preparing for the weekend. <laughs> but for those of you who haven't, we do have room in the studio audience. So as we're beginning to, to get back to some form of our new normal, uh, you can go online and register to mm -hmm. come and sit in on one of the services. We have room for you as we're practicing social distancing. So make sure you check that out as well. Sign up so That's you come right. on in. And one more sign up we want you to do. We have created 10 new ministries for yes. um, serving. You can go online again to our website. All of this information is found on our it website. Sure go up there, join a new um, team. Another way we can have a, our crowd cheering yeah. us on is by volunteering and volunteering together. That's it. Hey, family, it was, this has been so awesome. Thank you all for joining us today. Have an awesome week. Yep. And don't forget to tell somebody about Jesus. Yay. Come on, somebody. Come What's up, Jen? Wasn't this awesome? <laughs> it was a good What message. a great day.